You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Steve. At this time of year, we, uh, our minds and our hearts are often kind of focused on thanks, on thanksgiving, on the things that we are thankful for. And so it's in that realm that we've kind of focused uh, the message this morning. Uh, I was doing a little bit of research this week, and interestingly enough, I came across a study that was done by UCLA. And UCLA did a study that found out that the number one correlation to people who live a happy life was the choice to be grateful. People who choose to be grateful and thankful have what they, what they reported to be the happiest life. It wasn't people who had the most things. It wasn't people who had the greatest jobs, the people that had the most money. None of that really added up even close to the amount of people who just reported that they were thankful and grateful. And they lived the happiest life. Um, it's interesting because I, when I was reading this, I thought about the fact that, you know, it seems like the people that are most grateful and the people that are happiest or the people that are the most thankful have the happiest life. So you would think the people that have the most things to be thankful for would be happiest. The people who have the most blessed life would be the happiest people. Uh, but again, the study kind of went against my thought. Um, there was another study that um, analyzed travelers in hotels because usually that's the best time to get a real real good da- uh, baseline of people is when they're out of their own element, right? So they analyzed travelers and the reviews that travelers gave. Um, they looked at 3.7 million people um, traveling to th- over 13,000 hotels, 70 countries, so a very large grouping of people. Um, and what they did is they wanted to see where did the grumpiest and the happiest travelers come from? So the grumpiest, the three top grumpiest countries um, that that had travelers going to other places, so the host countries are where the travelers were from. Uh, Number one, Spain, grumpiest. Number two, Ireland. And number three, Iceland. All right, so I was like, okay, that seems a little bit odd, but let's see about the happiest, because I'm sure, first off, we're there, right? It's got to be United States, USA, US, we got to be number one on the happiest country list. Um, and then I'm thinking to myself, who else? Maybe Great Britain, I don't know. Um, who else would, would be happy people? Um, Canada's got to be on the list, right? Everybody knows Canada's happy and polite. Um, no, the top three happiest travelers come from number one, Russia, number two, Serbia, and number three, Lebanon. (laughs) I know when I think of the happiest places on earth, I think of Beirut, Lebanon. Right? (laughs) Um, But, you know, when you think about it, these are the people that are the happiest, the most thankful people. Russia, Serbia, and Lebanon, they do have some things in common. They're all, they've all been ravaged by war. They've all been ravaged by poverty. All three of those countries have been ra- ra- ravaged excuse me, by oppression. 
And I don't mean our first world kind of whining oppression, like they don't believe in what I believe in, so I'm being oppressed. I mean real, life-endangering oppression, locked up in prison type oppression. All three of these countries have dealt with this. Yet all three of them have the happiest people when they were checked in on as far as through this study. We may, we may think it's often difficult to be thankful, especially when we're going through challenges. But if Russia, Serbia, and Lebanon can be happy and thankful, then it should be no problem for us who have not really dealt with a lot of the same challenges as the people of those three countries. So we're going to look a little bit about at thankfulness and praise this morning. Um, and to do that, we're actually going to open up to Luke chapter 17, um, verses 11 through 19. I wanted to mix it up again. My first thought was to go to Psalms, because when I think of thankfulness, Psalms. But we just got out of Psalms. We've been in Psalms all summer. So I figured let's go someplace a little different. But we will jump back into a Psalm in, in, in a little bit. Uh, but open up to Luke 17, 11 to 19. And it's up here if, if you don't have your Bible open. On the way to Jerusalem, he, meaning Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So point one, out of all the things we have to be thankful for, the most important is we need to be thankful for salvation. We open up in this first piece, this first um, section of Luke in chapter 17 with lepers. Lepers are not, it's, it's not just here in Luke. We see lepers in a number of places in the Bible. Um, leprosy was a terrible disease. It slowly ate away your flesh. Not only did you have to deal with the eating away of the, your flesh and the pain, the, the, the pain involved, um, the disease, all of this uh, health concerns that came with leprosy, but also uh, you were deemed to be unclean if you were a leper. In, in the Jewish faith, faith especially, as we know in the law, being unclean is the worst thing you can be. Because if you're unclean, you are separated from God. And not only that, you're separated in your daily life from everyone else. We see in Leviticus chapter 13, 45 and 46, it says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. 
So not only did these ten men have to deal with having leprosy, knowing that they were going to die slowly, painfully, but they also had to deal with the fact that they were outsiders. They weren't allowed to be with everyone else. They were not only outsiders, but they were lower than everybody else. They were to be outside the camp. They were to, to cover their faces. They had to scream when they got near people, unclean, unclean, to warn people of how dirty and how terrible they were so that people didn't come near them. Um, leprosy at this time had no known cure. So if you had leprosy, it was a death sentence. Um, these men that we talk about when we see the, the ten men here that Jesus comes across, they are walking dead men. It's, the sentence has already been cast on them. I don't want you to just dismiss this as, oh, it's another leper story. Here's Jesus healing somebody else. Because there's a little bit more here, too. When we look at this picture, there's a beautiful picture of the cross here. We... You, me, all of us, before coming to put our faith in Christ, were lepers. We all had a death sentence. We all were condemned to death. Our leprosy was sin. We were unclean. Sin cast us away from God. And we were slowly dying before coming to know Jesus. We were all the lepers in this case. We had a disease that we were born with. It was ingrained in us, sin. On our own, and we know this, we have sinful and wicked hearts without Jesus. We are unclean. But just as Jesus cured these ten men of leprosy, Jesus cleaned us. Jesus cured us. He died on the cross. He was buried. He was resurrected. And through that process, whoever believes in him has eternal life and was cured of sin and death. These men believed in Jesus they believed in Jesus that he could cure them. That's why they approached him. They, they approached him and said, Jesus, Master. The word master actually translates here. It also means something like commander. It's a person who they knew had authority. When they came to Jesus, they believed he had the authority to cure them of leprosy. Of a disease that would kill them. And so they believed he had the power to do that. Um, and Jesus said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. All ten of them turned and headed to the priest. They had faith in that. They knew he did it. And not only that, but they acted out of faith. Jesus hadn't told them yet he was going to cure them. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to cure you guys of your leprosy. The first thing I need you to do is this. His only response was, go show yourselves to the priests. And knowing nothing else, they followed what he said. They turned and they headed towards the priest. And in that, in that moment, they responded to, out of faith. 
They acted out of faith from what he had told them. Just as we believe in Jesus, and then we turn to live a biblical manner to act out our faith, it was their initial faith in Jesus that cured them. It's our initial faith in Jesus that cures us. Um, but when they turned and acted on it, it's, it was showing that they not only believed, but then they believed so much that they were actually putting their faith in that and they were doing it. Right? The proof is in the pudding, as they say. If we have nothing else in our lives, nothing else to be thankful for this weekend, we have eternal life with God that's given to us through Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what challenges, what losses, what temptations, what tribulations we've had to deal with. All of us that know Jesus have eternal life. And that, that is the single utmost gift we could have. And it's the thing to be the most thankful for this weekend and at all times. So when we're thankful, we want to give God thanksgiving and praise. Um, I didn't make that up. The Bible tells us to do that. Um, Psalm 100, verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. We're called to come into God's presence. And when we're called to come into God's presence, we're called to come with thanks and praise for God. Giving thanks to God and praising Him. We've heard this a lot. It's in our worship songs. It's in our psalms, right? But what's the difference? Why don't they just say, thank God? Or praise God? Because the two words are not the same. They mean different things, and it's important to know that so that we can do it properly, right? Thanksgiving, or giving thanks, which is the one that we're more, we're, we, we kind of know more, right? We're, we're, we we uh, understand Thanksgiving more, or the concept of it, is all about giving thanks or showing gratitude for the things we've been given, right? So when I say, when I thank God for my job, when I pray in gratitude for my family, for my wife, um, for my house. That's giving thanks. I'm showing gratitude to God for the blessings that I've given. To praise God means that we are identifying and glorifying God solely for who He is. has nothing to do with anything He's done for us. So when I say things like, God is merciful. God is gracious. Uh, God is slow to anger. God is full of love and faithfulness. That's praising God. I'm celebrating God for His nature, for who He is. And it has nothing to do with, with what He's done for me. I can say God is a loving God, and it has nothing to do with what God did for me specifically. I'm just celebrating the fact that we have a God who loves us. I'm celebrating the fact that we have a God who is merciful. A God who does not punish us with the punishment we deserve. I 
I didn't make those things up either. <laughs> um, it's in the Bible. Not only is it in the Bible, but it's the way that God himself introduced himself to Moses in Exodus 36. He said, I am a merciful God. I am a gracious God. I am a God who's slow to anger. I am full of love. I am full of... Um, I'm full of love and I'm full of faithfulness. Those are the things, he, this is the way he identified himself to Moses. The two are linked, though. We, also, we, all, we very often see thanksgiving, thank you, God, for what you've done for me, and praise, God, you are amazing, you're wonderful, you're loving, you're kind, you're merciful. We see those two things together because it's the nature of God, the reasons we praise him, Right, Because he's merciful, because he's loving, because he's slow to anger. It's those things that allow us to have the blessings he's given us. He blesses us because he is loving, kind, merciful. Right, So the reasons we praise him are connected directly to the things he gives us. Um, one of the things that we need to remind ourselves, especially during this time of year, is that God doesn't owe us anything. God doesn't owe us one thing for being created. Right? And so sometimes we get so used to the blessings of God that we get mad when we don't have one. Well, God should have done this for me. God doesn't owe us anything. Right? If God wanted to be completely just and owe us what we deserved, we'd all be in hell. God's already given those of us sitting here salvation. He's already given us eternal life and defeated death for us. And now we're going to think that he owes us other things? No, God doesn't owe us anything. It's because God is loving, merciful, because God is slow to anger, because he's full of love, full of faithfulness. It's for those reasons that he blesses us, that he gives us blessings. And so that's why praise and thanksgiving go hand in hand. I think sometimes we often thank, but we don't praise. Right? We often get so... We, we often get so locked in and distracted by the gift that we forget about the giver. And so we need to remember not only to spend time in prayer and communicating with God to thank Him for the blessings He's given us, but also just to praise Him for who He is, to raise Him up for being God. Even when we're going through challenges and tribulations, we should always praise God for who He is. His divine nature in itself allowed us to be saved. But it is difficult when things aren't going our way. Too often we can be like the other men in Luke 17. All the men were cured, but only one of them turned around to thank and praise God. The other nine just kept going. Now, they weren't terrible. They went and did what Jesus told them. They went to the priest to show them. But none of them thought to stop and thank God and praise him, except for the one.
I'm also reminded here when I talk about praising God and thanking God, even when we're in trials and tribulations. I'm reminded of the old hymn, Now Thank We All Our God by Martin Rinkart. Um, a lot of Rinkart fans in here. A lot of people remember his early stuff, 1608. Um, <laughs> um, the, the first stanza of Now Thank We All Our God by Rinkart goes, Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices, who wondrous things has done in whom his world rejoices, who from his mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. It's a beautiful, a beautiful hymn about thanking God. Rinkart penned these words in his time of ministry during the 30-year war in Europe. It's one of the bloodiest wars in Europe. It was between multiple countries. Um, and Rinkart was in ministry at the time. Um, he, in, in, in the biographies of Rinkart, it mentions that at the time he penned this beautiful hymn about thanking God and being, being uh, praising God and just being gracious to the things God has given us, Rinkhart was conducting over 40 funerals a day. One of them included his wife's. Even though he was surrounded by war, by plague, by evil, in the midst of all of this destruction, he was able to give thanks to God from a gracious heart. Most of us have never seen the horrors Rinkhart had to live through. In fact, we've not only never seen the horrors Rinkhart had to live through, most of us have never even seen the things that the travelers from Russia and Serbia and Lebanon have had to live through. Yet we often fail to prioritize and focus on the blessings that we have from a loving and merciful God. Even that itself is a blessing. The fact that none of us had to deal with any of the stuff they did is a blessing. Our world's fallen. It's full of sinful people. That's why there's death. It's why there's sickness. It's why there's loss. There's pain. There's suffering. People often wrongfully blame God for these things. They blame God for sickness, for poverty, for their tragic losses in life. Those things exist because of sin and death in the world. But because of who God is, the reason we praise God, we also have healing. We also have family. Because of who God is, we have love. We have joy. Brings us to our third point today. So in the midst of everything that we deal with in our daily lives, we need to remember to focus on the giver. Often we can get so wrapped up in a gift that we forget about the giver. Luke's account closes with an unusual man. Verses 15 through 19, Luke talks about the Samaritan who shouted glory to God and fell at Jesus' feet. 
He praises Jesus. He gives him thanks. Almost all the men were so wrapped up in the gift of being cured, and they should have been, right? They were, were lepers. They were outcasts. They were unclean, and now all of a sudden they weren't. This was not just, I'm healthy. This was a life changer. But the, the other nine were so wrapped up in that that they forgot about who did it for them. Who made them clean? Who gave them the gift? Only one, and as we're told here, on purpose, not even a Jew, was the one who turned and gave thanks to God. He praised God and he thanked Jesus for what he had done. If you think over the last year, what's the greatest thing God has done for you in the last year? Did you get a new job? Did you get a new car? Maybe you moved here. Maybe you got a new house. Maybe you got new family members. Um, maybe you got married. Oh, there's a few of those in our midst, right? There great things. Maybe you started a family. God has done wonderful things in our midst over this last year. Um, maybe you came to know Jesus this year. That would be the most significant and amazing thing. Today's a good day to thank God for what he's done. And more importantly, to thank God for who he is. Because that's why he did it. Again, it wasn't because you were so good. It wasn't because you or I deserved it. God gave you those things just because of who God is. And we need to remember that. We need to praise and focus on the giver himself. If it wasn't for God's grace, God's mercy, God's everlasting love, we would all have nothing. And we would be living a slow, painful death just like those lepers. So as we wrap up the Thanksgiving weekend, um, Pastor Dan held up little Advent calendars that we have back there um, that some of you may want to follow along as we get close to Christmas. But as we wrap up Thanksgiving weekend and look towards celebrating Christmas, um, I would also add a challenge to you. Um, as of today, there's 26 days until Christmas. So in the next 26 days between now and Christmas, when you pray every day to God and you raise God up in your prayer life, thank God for all the things you have. But as a challenge, over the next 26 days, each day try to significantly focus on one of the aspects of God. Try to praise God for one of the things God is. God is loving. God is merciful. God is everlasting. God is perfect. Right? So it's not just us thanking God for all everything He's done for us, but let's take some time to lift up God just for who God is in the next 26 days. If we do that, then we make sure that while we are thankful for the things that God gives us, and we should be because God has given us so much. At the same time, we don't lose focus on the giver and the reasons why we have everything we have. As I close us in prayer, the worship team is going to come up and they're going to play a few songs. Um, 
but uh, I challenge you, like I said, to think about praising and thanking God in the next 26 days. Um, Father, we thank you, Lord, for loving us. We thank you for all of the things you've given us, Lord, the blessings we don't deserve. We thank you, we thank you Lord, for who you are, the, th the fact that you are merciful, you are slow to anger. I thank you that for that one specifically, Lord, many times. Um, that you are gracious, Lord, that you are loving. And we thank you most of all, Lord, of all the gifts that you've given us for your son Jesus and for the opportunity for us to no longer be unclean, the opportunity for us to even have this conversation, Lord, that the veil was broken and we can even talk to you, Lord, like this is an amazing blessing that we often take for granted. We pray for safety for the family members driving home this week, Lord. Um, we pray for our church members here. We pray for those seeking Jesus. And we want to lift up um, all of the members of the church, the community, um, and the, the, the capital region in itself, Lord. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.